Welcome to the Management Minute with Dr. Donita Brown, where we sit down with business leaders to gain valuable insights and advice on how to navigate the world of management. Whether you're a seasoned manager or just starting out, this podcast is for you. I'm Donita Brown, a professor in the College of Business at Lipscomb University. I'm also an author, speaker, and habit coach. For almost 20 years, I worked in corporate America and managed teams of two to 102. Welcome to this week's episode. Today's guest is Dr. Candice McQueen. Dr. McQueen, thank you so much for being here. Great to be here today. All right, you ready to get started? I am. All right, let's dive in with your one-sentence bio. I'm the president at Lipscomb University and a lifelong learner and a lifelong educator. I love it. You know, we have recorded several of these podcasts and few people can actually give a one sentence bio. And you now belong in that column of the people that can actually give a one sentence bio. So thank you for that. You want to get started with question number one? Let's do it. Okay. How do your values impact your management philosophy? Values are really how you operate. It's just how you, from from a core perspective, do your work. And so from a a value perspective, I approach things with a lot of humility. I'm a learner. I'm a seeker, just like the people that I'm I'm working with. And so how do we work together? How do we gain what I would call additional wisdom through listening, through learning, through research, through engaging other people? And so the management style, I think, draws from that, that we're learners. We're people who are, are trying to seek more information, better information to be able to do our job. And so from a management perspective, that's very collaborative. It's very much about putting all the things that we're trying to accomplish on the table. Here's the outcomes we're seeking. And who do we need to engage to ensure that we meet those outcomes? And it's also setting outcomes, like actually knowing where you want to go. So my management style is very goal-driven, outcomes-driven. And then what do we need to do? Let's backward map, backward plan. I'm an educator to get to those outcomes. So you said something I want to dig into a little bit more about humility. How do you teach the people that work around you that humility is really important? I think this definition of humility, and I hope I don't butcher it, but this idea that humility is not thinking less of yourself, and the Mm -hmm. talents and skills that you have, it's thinking about yourself less. Oh, that's Uh, good. Not putting yourself in, I'm the one who has to be the center of attention or the center of knowledge or the center of whatever the decision is. But I have talents and skills that I can bring to the table, and I don't want to lessen those. I want to use those, but it doesn't have to be about me. And I, I think about the Ronald Reagan saying that if we all ultimately, you know, didn't care about who got the credit, what could we accomplish? And that's really what humility is about. What are all the talents and skills that we have that we can bring to the table? Let's don't, you know, put our egos on the table too. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to get the job done. That's good. Now, what about setting goals? How do you set goals? You are the president of Lipscomb University. There are a lot of things that we want to accomplish here for our students, for our community, for our alumni. So how do you make sure you're setting good goals? Well, I think for any leader of any organization, you start with what do you already know? So what are the outcomes that we've already been able to accomplish? What does that look like in terms of, uh, in our case, competition? Or what does that look like in terms of where we want our students to be and grow into? Mm -hmm. And then you set goals from that. You say, okay, well, we could do better than that. We could push on that a little bit longer. And how do we bring other people in the conversation to make sure those are the right goals and that there's buy-in? But it's really starting with Who are you? What do you want to become? What's your competition doing? And what are the outcomes that you really want for the people that you serve? That's great. That's great. Let's move to question number two. Okay. Who or what has had the most impact on your management style? 
This is an easy question. I always go straight to my mother. My mother was an educator and uh, worked her, you know, self into multiple leadership roles over her time period in education, ultimately becoming a national distinguished principal that was honored in Washington, D.C. by President Clinton based on just her work in, in school. She worked with the Department of Defense. And what she modeled for me was this idea of collaboration, the idea of humility that I spoke about earlier, and making sure that you keep the center of why you're doing your work at the center. And so for educators, it's always about the student. And she was very good about putting the student at the center of the conversation. And that modeled, it was modeling for me. And so as a a person who's been a lifelong educator, a lifelong learner, I'm always putting what does the student need at the center of the conversation. So the student needs have changed probably since you've started your education journey. How do you know what is most important for the students today? Well, you have to talk to them. I mean, you can't assume you know. You have to get to know students on an individual level. You certainly have to talk to them collectively, which was one of the reasons why I started the President's Advisory Council right when I started here. Because the sense was, yes, I can have people in student life or, you know, my VPs and deans tell me what the students are like. But the real way you get to know the students is you talk to them, you ask them, you get to know them. And because I have children that are this age, I have a sense of what that looks like, but I also need to know what does the entire university campus look like in terms of student voice, how they think, what they care about, what is an experience that they need to have, and then also what is going to set them up for success in the workplace or to find their purpose, to find their meaning, and to be fulfilled. And so for me, it's going straight to the student having that conversation. I love that. So what do you think is our top student concern? I would say, you know, there's a concern generally among students that the world is not becoming a better place. Mm. You see that in lots of surveys across, I'd say, almost every sector of students that would be in this 18 to 30-year-old range. Mm. They just don't believe we're in a, a society that's getting better. And so it creates a lot of anxiety. So I think students just have an anxiousness about the future, whether that's their own personal career choices that they're moving into Mm. or whether they're moving into a society that culturally isn't getting better or how will they be set up for success in today's world. So I think there's a general anxiety that students feel about the future, which is why Christian education is so important. We bring in a hope and a a truth-seeking opportunity that's different than what they're going to find in social media or in the world. And so that's why I believe Lipscomb is very well set up for this age group, because we help students find purpose and meaning in a world that at times feels hopeless. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, as a professor here in the College of Business at Lipscomb University, Gen Z is very interesting to me. They are not motivated by money. And being Gen X, I was all about money when I came out of school. They're motivated by purpose. That's right. And so they want to make sure that what they're doing just doesn't give them more money or title or power, but it really does make the world a better place. And I I have said this a hundred times and I will say it a hundred times more. We have the best students at Lipscomb. We do. Just we best. do. And they understand that there is purpose they have been built for. They believe right. in a God that's bigger than themselves. And so what they do to prepare for their life feels purposeful. Right. And uh, we're here to partner with them and make sure that that purpose is as deep and wide as it can be. So what advice would you give to managers on finding their purpose? Maybe somebody that's been working for 10 years or so. How would you guide them on finding their purpose? 
Well, I, I think purpose and finding purpose is timeless, right? It's not time ended and you don't just find it when you're in undergraduate or you're in graduate school. It's something that continues to evolve throughout your life. And as you have more experiences and you have more opportunities to lead, sometimes your purpose can change. And I would say some advice that I gave someone that asked me a similar question to this yesterday was you have to stop and listen and reflect and discern what your priorities are today that might have been different even five years ago. So there's a discernment process that starts with just reflecting. Mm writing things down, the things that you are, you're taught in school about how to discern, we should be using. And then I would pray about that. I would also have really strong thought partnership conversations with colleagues about this is what I'm thinking about. Help me discern if there are blind spots in what I'm talking about or if there's new opportunities I should be pursuing. And then I think one of the best things that we do for our students is we do these listening retreats and reflection retreats and how do you pray about vocation and purpose. Those things are appropriate for adults. I would say of adults that have been leading for a long time, the one thing I might put on top of that is those peer-to-peer conversations that can be so revealing. It's not that you're necessarily asking, what should I do next? Just share what you're experiencing and say, how would you sort of consider that? Ask multiple people that you care about and get some advice from others. And I think sometimes we're too proud in upper leadership roles and maybe have too much of an ego to have that level of conversation with someone that may be at the same place that you're in, maybe not in your same industry. I have found those to be extraordinarily helpful, just to have someone else who's in a leadership role that's similar maybe to mine or in a different industry to say, you know what? I'm trying to think about my next stage, and I'd love some wisdom from you. People love that level of conversation, and we don't ask that near enough. So purpose is about listening and prayer and reflection, and it's also about these thought partnership conversations. I love that because it also underpins your answer about humility in the first question. In order to actually have that conversation with a thought partner, you have to be humble enough to say, would you think through this with me? Can we talk about that's right and seek their advice? And we sometimes do worry about revealing too much in those conversations, mm-hmm. but ultimately it draws you closer in relationship with others that may be struggling with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you will grow in that if you will come to it with that humility and that opportunity to, to grow. That's great. Before we get to the next question, let's pause for a quick message about Lipscomb University's College of Business. Getting your MBA is a big step, an exciting step, and possibly a scary one. With so many paths at your doorstep, why do you want to get your MBA? Statistics show that the most common answer is an increase in salary or lifetime earnings. But at Lipscomb, we believe that getting an MBA opens an entire world of opportunities opportunities that can change your life or even the world. Working in business isn't just about numbers and a corporate paycheck. It supports families, creates jobs, steers the economy, and gives back to the community. That's because we believe the real power of business is its ability to make a difference, drive outcomes, and provide realities that were once just a dream. Not just for you, but also for those you touch. You can see it in our core values, but more importantly, you can see it in our daily interactions. From the professors you'll learn from, 
to the students you'll learn with. It draws similar-minded companies to us and helps our students build meaningful networks that exponentially empower them well after their time here. Learn more and apply at lipscomb.edu forward slash business. Let's move to question number three. What book has made the biggest impact on you? Certainly the person who's written multiple books that's had the biggest impact on me is Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker, known for his uh, management theory, was one of my early favorites when I was in different leadership courses, even in undergraduate or graduate school. And so I have been a fan of Peter Drucker's work, but not as much uh, process strategy. I love all of that, but he really talks about the people piece. And I think sometimes we forget while he is about management theory, the management theory was all about you define and you clarify and you create strategy because people need that. People need that transparency. They need an outcomes-driven, goal-oriented approach for them to be successful. So I love that he is about for people to be successful, you need to have the sort of the science of management in place and then you grow people that way. And then I love Patrick Lencioni and his work. I mean, The Advantage was one of those books that's a go-to book for me. So I would say Peter Drucker, Patrick Lencioni, you can't go wrong. You're going to learn a lot about management, leadership, and people in those books. Both great authors. You know, I love Lencioni because the fables are just, they read like fiction, but they have such great stories. Absolutely. I don't think there's a book by Patrick Lencioni that I've read that I haven't thought, this is a really great book. Well, I structure a lot of what I do based on his mm. book, The Advantage. I mean, how mm. he talked about running meetings and mm -hmm. different types of meetings and the importance of agendas and time management, I certainly would say amen to most chapters that he's written. Absolutely. I can remember sitting in the car waiting to go into a wedding and I was reading Death by Meeting and my husband's like, we've got to go. And I'm like, no, I have to finish this. Like this was such a good book. That's and it a was, great book. By it the is way. a fabulous book with just some very specific things that you can implement to make your meetings better. Or to remind yourself that not everything needs a meeting. Right. If you can actually do right. things via email yes. or a brief conversation, then you don't have to have a meeting. I mean, those are just snippets that any leader needs to think about probably periodically. Absolutely. And timeless. That's right. Yes. All right. Are you ready for my favorite part of the podcast? Yes, I am. Okay. So this is 60 seconds rapid fire question. You get one pass. Your goal is to make me run out of questions. Okay. All right. What's your current passion project? It's work-related. It is implementing uh, Lipscomb Impact 360, our strategic plan. Do you have any hobbies? Yes. What are they? Uh, travel, reading, and running. I am a runner. What's your favorite color? Purple. What's your favorite movie? I like The Gladiator, Amadeus. I like stories that are uh, historical in, in nature and some of them true. What's a fa your favorite place you've traveled to? Definitely France. What's your favorite food? Fajitas. Coffee or tea? Coffee, definitely. If you could be any type of dog breed, what would you be? Definitely a Boston Terrier, which is what I had. What do you daydream about? Oh, this is terrible to say, but uh, what am I going to have for dinner? That's a daydream. Okay. Mm -hmm. no. What's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> My biggest pet peeve is people who aren't prepared. Do you see the glass is half full or half empty? Definitely half full. All right. Well, that was 60 seconds of rapid fire question. You did great. It goes by fast, doesn't it? It does. I was, I was, that passion project went right out of the gate. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be tough. Well, you answered it well. <laughs> so 
Dr. McQueen, give parting advice to managers. So what's the best advice that you can give a manager? It comes from a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he said that a true mark of an intellect is that you can hold two opposing ideas in your mind at one time and still move forward, basically Mm -hmm. move forward with a decision. Conceptually, I think this idea of tension and opposition and, and different directions you can go is constantly in the mind of a leader. You have directions that you could go every day on almost every decision and to be able to function within that tension and to make strong decisions that truly is a mark of a leader that is great advice well thank you for being this week's guest thank you thanks for listening to the management minute we hope you enjoyed this week's interview if you like this episode please share it with a friend or colleague if you have suggestions for a future guest please send me their contact information to donita.brown at lipscomb.edu You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you. This podcast is powered by the College of Business Content Creation Studio at Lipscomb University.